Hello and welcome to the Product Demand Intelligence Podcast. I'm Hannah Chaplin, CEO at Receptive, and this show is all about talking to interesting product and SaaS folk that have a great tale to tell and piece of advice to share. Product Demand Intelligence gives you the ability to know what you are building, why you are building it, and who you are building it for. So over the series, we're going to explore any topics that relate back to that theme. So this first episode, I was lucky enough to be joined by Kayvon Gafari, who is Senior Programme Manager at Liquid Planner. Hope you enjoy it. So today I've got with me Kayvon Gafari and he heads up the product team at Liquid Planner. Um, so thank you very much for, for joining me. And could you start off by telling us a little bit about um, yourself and what you do um, at Liquid Planner? Sure. Hi. Uh, like you said, my name is Kevin Gafari. Thanks for thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So, uh, like you said, I I run the product team here, which pretty much uh, means that we we're in charge of curating, you know, uh, figuring out uh, what to build, uh, discussing with our customers, you know, doing user research, building our personas, um, you know, and then running the uh, execution uh, with the developers, working with them to, you know flesh out specs, you know, deliver value to customers, um, and then working with our sales and marketing team to help them tell our customers about the cool stuff we just built and all the problems it's going to solve. Yeah, um, yeah, so, li- yeah so Liquid Planner, um, it's project management and scheduling software. Um, you know, we, we do things, uh, not to get too in the weeds about this, but we do things with uh, yeah, instead, of, most project management is uh, duration based uh, with fixed start and end dates. Ours is more effort based, uh, which is based on range estimates, and we run a Monte Carlo simulation to use. You know, so it's a predictive project management instead of a fixed dates uh, that are entered in. So, and it's a collaboration SaaS tool. Cool. I noticed yeah. it's like especially for technology teams. So that's. Yeah, it's, re- it's really neat. It looks it looks really good, and it's uh, the website is liquidplanner.com, I believe, yep. if people want yep. to check it out. So the reason, uh, Kayvon, I want to talk to you was you'd been part of our roadmap survey that we ran um, last year. So we were really interested in how SaaS and software teams kind of build and communicate a, a good product roadmap. And you mentioned that um, you've just started implementing the Pandora process, which is a way of... Um, prioritizing um so i came across this quite a while ago actually um i'd seen something um from first round review um should definitely check out firstroundreview.com if you're not familiar with it they're a seed uh, stage vc and the content is just incredible and they'd had tom conrad who was the cto at pandora on kind of like an event they were running um so he kind of detailed the the process um so it was about having a short 90-day roadmap at pandora because they're as you know um all too well you only have so many developers so it's all about making sure those resources are building the best possible product um so how did how did you come across that cave on and could you give us a bit of background to kind of why you looked for that prioritization process and and kind of how the you know what what it involves really for for people who aren't familiar with it Sure. Um, so we really came across it. It was it was the odd confluence of circumstances. Like multiple people in our organization sort of discovered it within the same couple of weeks. 
Uh, and they sent it to me and they're like, Hey, you know, check this out. So our VP of marketing, um, one of our, uh, principal investors, um, you know, so they say they both come across it fairly, uh, you know, around the same time period. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny when I took the survey, uh, we were in the midst of really figuring out, uh, how to build a good, how to build a good roadmap. Um, uh, we had our we had our strategic pillars, but really, you know, like how does that translate to okay? Here is a block of product, or here is a feature we are going to develop, and where this is exactly how much bandwidth we have, you know, in order to you know get products to market and that sort of thing. And there was a lot of shuffle, uh, but it wasn't you know I'll be honest, it wasn't super organized. Um, you know, we had a bunch of talented people working on stuff, uh, but the the methodology you know, just wasn't, wasn't as crisp as it could have been. Uh, so we were pretty excited to, to try this Pandora process. Uh, the way it works, uh, essentially starts with a question. Um, and you met, you mentioned the, the 90 day roadmap, uh, anything beyond 90 days is subject to change. Um, and I've, I've been in project product management for over a decade in technology right now. I'll tell you that's absolutely true. Uh, trying to plan beyond that is just setting yourself up for disappointment and setting other people up for disappointment. Uh, the farther you go out, uh, the it's harder to plan um, that far because market forces shift. You could, you know, in user research, discover new problems that are more important than what you are currently working on. Um, but really, 90 days is a good, you know, horizon for uh, figuring out what to build. So, um, and it's also you know, if you're building a bunch of product, you know, projects uh, in those 90 days, it also kind of doesn't matter that much how you sequence them in terms of getting to market. Uh, so you're free to sort of like optimize uh, the developers for throughput instead of for sequencing of getting to market because, you know, 90 days is not that much time in the grand scheme of things. Totally agree with the sentiment there. It's, it's spot, I think, from... From our experience and, and what we've seen from um, talking to other software companies, that, that quarter chunk of time seems to fit just, just nicely because of how you explained it there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we'll have, um, do you like plan out your strategy beyond three months? Because we'll have kind of an idea of the direction we're heading in for perhaps like six months to a year, but then we do the like granular planning like in quarters. So um is, is that what you guys kind of do? You, ha- you do have that strategy in mind, but you do the Pandora process to, to schedule the next 90 days of development that your engineering right. team are actually going to be working on. Yeah, so we have, um, so to finish out the, I guess, description of the process. So it's really, uh, yeah, the, the, founda- the foundation principle is, you know, what would be, it, there's a clarifying question, or a, a, yeah, where you ask, you know, what would we be stupid not to build in the next 90 days? I mean, that's a pretty good, you know, crisp question. Like, what have we been avoiding? You know, like, instead of all of these nice-to-haves that might be the flavor of the day, like, what would we be stupid not to build in the next 90 days? So, really, um, it was a call to to the company, you know, with various, uh, various different teams, uh, you know, some marketing focus, sales, you know, customer success, uh, and then product and engineering, um, and then our internal tools team. Essentially, you know, what are what are the highest value, what are the highest value things we should start investigating? Um, and then people submitted, you know, a one slide, you know, PowerPoint slide or 
uh, Keynote or uh, Google Slides is what we used, um, you know, with a description of what it is and why we should build it, uh, then my team, product team, worked with engineering to sort of uh, flesh those out a little bit and then assign a relative size in terms of uh, it's a price tag on it, essentially. The, the price tag ended up that Pandora suggests is uh, $5 per developer month. Um, so that assigns you a budget uh, and then the approximate cost of how much slide, you know, how much slide there is. Then we got everybody into a room to like, okay, you have the, you have the ability to vote with your, you know, set amount of dollars per team um, on what we should build. So really foster a lot of collaboration. Um, to speak to the, to speak to the point about, uh, you know, how does the strategy fit in? Um, it's really, uh, you know, we have, I guess, five strategic uh, pillars, if you include the, you know, internal tools, where the product team is responsible for doing research and and really driving that. Like, where are where are we going to focus our efforts in order to, you know, and which which needles do we need to move? Um, in order to uh, get, in order to get, you know, maximize revenue and that sort of thing. So if we can think about, uh, and then that in turn drives what we present as slides to the company to be voted on. You know, we were able to bring visibility and metrics to, instead of just, oh, I think this would be cool if. Um, so with any SaaS tool, uh, for example, onboarding is a pretty big um it's a pretty big challenge. You know, we need to be able to uh, not only have a good first impression of the person who's trying our software, you know, like walk them through it and, you know, demonstrate our value as fast as possible. Um, and then after purchase, there's the, you know, bringing the rest of everybody, you know, bringing their team on and like providing a good onboarding experience there. Uh, so my team is you know, responsible for coming up with that sort of strategy and, you know, doing research in order to unearth where valuable features are and then presenting that to the group um, in order to, you know, and, and then working with teams like marketing and sales and customer success uh, to get their take on it. So it's a really collaborative process um, that we can, that we can lead uh, that, but then these, these chunks of value are, you know, surfaced and then you vote on like, okay, these are the most important to, you know, the marketing team and stuff like that. So that's one way that, um, you know, the, the strategic areas uh, translate into actual products uh, in this process. That's right. I, I love your kind of very strategy led approach. And it sounds like that's a, a really good exercise for you as a, a product team to go through as well. Um, and it's also good for, you know, the stakeholders that you invite to these prioritization meetings because they know that all the ideas you're presenting are aligned with the, the bigger goals of the company. So right. I think that's um, certainly a really valuable takeaway for, you know, people looking to implement um, a process like this. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned kind of like loads of different teams there, like the, the Pandora approach um, talks about having like key stakeholders in, involved in these meetings which occur quarterly so how how did you pick who those people were that attended the your first meeting and for the one you've got coming up for the next quarter are you, you know you make any changes do you, do you feel you got that right if you've got any 
tips on on who should be there and and, and kind of why sure yeah so the so the funny part about the pandora process is they they advocate everybody gets the same amount of voting dollars or like each block gets the same amount of voting dollars um but you can also sort of stack the deck <laughs> in terms of like who you invite to the meeting. Um, luckily, yeah, luckily we didn't have to go out of our way to, you know, stack the deck in order for people to believe us. Like, you know, the, the, the people we have worked with. Just invite there. all your mates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I'll let you come, but you have to vote, you know, on what I, what I want you to vote on. No, that's, it's, it's not like that. Um, what they advise and what I took to heart is just invite the people that have, um, the best interests of the company at heart. So, you know, for example, the way the way it broke down is there were there were seven voting blocks. Um, so we have our customer success, uh, and it, it usually uh, broke down by executive, um, and then a uh, uh, department heads. So, you know, for marketing, for example, we had the VP of marketing. And then one representative uh, was the product marketing manager who, who we work with pretty closely. Uh, customer success was the head of you know, support, you know, answering trouble tickets and that sort of thing. And then um, our director of, uh, you know, uh, the CSM director, customer success um, management. So really, and then, you know, each block was given the same amount of uh, the same amount of money. So yeah, it's it's really uh, you you just got to make sure that every department is represented. You'll typically you won't have to think about it too hard. I mean, my company is I mean it's around seventy-ish people, so you know I didn't have to. It wasn't a huge process because you know as as head of product, like I have to you know, I deal with people every day, and like they're usually the point people for those departments. Um, but sometimes you know it. And that that was at least for the first one. It could be that in the future, you know, like other people are invited uh, to take their place. So it doesn't have to just be the, you know, the VP and their and their gang. You know, it could be just they could they could send, you know, they can send delegates and that sort of thing. As long as they have the yeah, as long as they have the best interests of both their department and the company at heart. And, you know, I, I would also say that a thing that helped was my team and, uh, and engineering, I guess, helping those people clarify what they mean on the slides. So we didn't want anybody walking in, um, you know, to be surprised at what other people were putting out. Like it, it was all very, very out in the open. And so, you know, we could remove some duplicates or merge some stuff and that sort of thing. So it's really, you know, people you can work with whose opinion and I guess, more than opinion but their expertise you can trust sure and it, and it sounds like doing a bit of work up front like you say to dedupe things and yeah uh, making sure you've yeah. got the right people coming that's like it sounds like a really worth worthwhile task so i assume yeah. you can just get yeah. people in the room and and kind yeah. of crack on with the meeting have you kind of like seen any is there any kind of difference or major benefits you've noticed introducing this process and, and bringing more people kind of into the product management fold, if you like, at, you know, like quarterly intervals? Have you found it's, it's, has it been good for relationships between departments? Has it helped them understand the challenges you face, um, you know, as product managers? Can you, can you talk a bit about um, kind of, yeah, the key, the key advantages, I guess, of, yeah. of implementing the approach? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the benefits, uh, you know, in terms of buy-in from from the different departments are, are huge. You know, there's always the, you know, the uh, my team. We generally know what we're talking about, <laughs> but we wouldn't yep. <laughs> we wouldn't claim to have absolute knowledge or better knowledge than every you know of every aspect um, throughout the company. So. You know, it's always, it always felt like a bit of an uphill battle and, you know, it sort of should, you know, the people from the various departments should be, well, why are we building this? Like, you know, we, yeah, we think that you guys are smart and, you know, you generally know what you're talking about, but we're very data-driven, evidence-driven and stuff like that. So we had to get, it was always just like, yes, this is what we're doing. This is exactly why, but it was always a, us coming to other people and trying to prove our case this really brought, you know, this really streamlined that. So if people were pre-bought in because they were part of the process, there wasn't the, it took a lot of, you know, effort off of our plate, you know, in the selling phase, like this is what we are doing for the company and here's why, like everybody was in on it. So there wasn't a, it just removed that, that barrier. Yeah. It just sounds like it just took it, took that whole thing out, out of the, the process, didn't it? Yeah. One of the, one of the, the things that, you know, um, I mean, product team needs to have a vision and a strategy, but I don't think, you know, people who are fully invested in a, in a company, like they're, they're not looking for the product team to come up with like a special magic that you go out into the woods and meditate on and you come back and there's like a completely new thing that nobody has ever thought of before. Um, it's more the, you know, the facilitation and cure and curation of building the right things for our customers. And, you know, to pretend that nobody else knows anything about that is is pretty pretty ignorant or arrogant or whatever. Um, so to be able to, uh, you know, bring people into that process, uh, you know, that this process really maps to that. I would say that um, the other, I guess, another huge thing, which is one of my personal favorites, is everybody in that room felt my pain. One thing our company is not short on is good ideas. Um, and my job is to, I mean, part of my job is just to say no to good ideas just because we can't, there's just not enough hours in the day to build everything that is potentially a good idea. So the budgeting aspect of it, I mean, in the first round when everybody submitted their slides, like before we went to the voting round and, you know, like the, I was in product team and engineering work together to price slides. Uh, we ended up with, you know, we had a budget and the total amount of submitted slides was six times that budget. Whoa. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. I, I was able to go back and be like, hey guys, so think hard about what the most important of these are because here is what everybody wants. And there was nothing on there that was a crappy idea. Um, but you know, really think hard about what is the most important stuff to do now. So, you know, why uh, in product, you know, you're, or even or engineering or however your organization is set up, like you always kind of have to be the bad guy because you're the one saying no all the time because you, know, you just can't do everything. Um, so being able to put a price tag on this is exactly how much we can get done. It's not because we're jerks. It's just, we can't do everything. So, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things I, I have to say, you know, to people, um, is, uh, like every yes is 10,000 no's. 
So, you know, you have to be really cognizant of whenever you agree to build something, it means you are not building all of the other things you could be building. So really like getting people to understand like how heartbreaking it is to be like, yes, we know these customers have this pain point and we would love to solve it for them. But there's this other pain point that we've triaged as being higher priority. Um, so bringing people into that process, I think, built a lot of, uh, you know, empathy, I guess, and, uh, you know, compassion for uh, what we do. The single biggest shift we noticed in kind of introducing prioritization is, as you explain people's understanding, that there's an order of importance. Like, there's always lots of nice to have, there's always lots of projects on the boil. But when people are really made to think, they consider their ideas more and then folding in that communication and transparency, it just, it does transform basically how, how you build your products. I think it's, it sounds like for you as well, it's been a, a kind of really positive experience. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's huge. I mean, my, the software that we build is actually like it's priority based scheduling. It automatically schedules from top to bottom. So, you know, based on the resource assigned to it. So it's funny that, I mean, this really maps to our internal philosophy pretty well too. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so this, uh, the process ended up surfacing, you know, the product team always wants to solve big problems, um, either like, you know, like a big you know, usability problem or like a new big feature or, you know, a new way of doing something. But there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of very high value, but small projects. And so what we had was um, like little feature requests or bug fixes uh, that we would get in because those are, you know, a couple of hours of work and they're high value or, you know, multi-month long projects. So like a, a month to three months long projects. And those are, you know, big boulders of value. But there was a sort of dead zone in the middle where it was like, well, this is bigger than just a dev doing it one off, but it's also not a full, you know, big production of a of a project but there was it was hard to squeeze in those those high value medium-sized rocks um this one of the things that this did is it prioritized some of those medium-sized rocks and so we were able to unlock a i guess a channel of value that doesn't seem immediately um as either as easy as a small pebble or you know as awesome as a huge boulder um in terms of in terms of relative size uh, but because, you know, you can vote in $5 increments, you can have a small $5 project, you know, which is a single dev for half a month to a month's worth of time uh, that would be harder to sell if it wasn't distributed like this. So really getting those um, has been, you know, and, and like surfacing those and how valuable those are uh, has been huge. That's brilliant. That kind of ties in with, I was really keen to hear actually how, you know, how you felt the whole process had, had affected your roadmap. And I, I think that's certainly a, you know, a really good point to be made there. It sounds like you've, you've been finding these high value, as you call them, like kind of medium, medium rocks hidden in there. And it wasn't, it was through the prioritization and the collaboration that you kind of saw that they were there. Um, have you found your roadmap looks like completely different to how it did before you implemented the process? Any other kind of changes you can, that you've noticed? So I'd say like it, it really made us think about projects in terms of smaller increments. Um, it's pretty easy to, especially for a software company, to just say they are agile. Because um, I mean, agile is just a loose set of philosophies and then you can make up the methodology that wraps around that. Um, so this really got us 
thinking about how to break down some of those larger projects into small uh, small increments of value um, to get to market faster. So instead of you know instead of waiting three months and then delivering it all at once, uh, we're able to say you know how might we deliver you know the first third of it, uh, which is still valuable. How do how do we deliver it in the first month? And then, you know, does it make sense to further break it down into two more releases or release a bigger chunk uh, two months later? Uh, so really getting us um, with smaller, smaller but more consistent uh, increments of value uh, to our customers has been, has been really good. Uh, it gets us more, you know, so like predictability has gone up because we're not pretending that six months from now we know exactly, you know, to the day what we're going to release. But we can, you know, 90 days, like we, like we said before, is, you know, it's a pretty good horizon and it's a small enough increment of time where you can optimize for, you know, maximum throughput where everything is coming out around the same time, like same quarter. So it's been really useful. Brilliant. Um, so to wrap it up, do you have any, um, are there any resources online or any top tips for people who like the sound of this and would like to get started with the processes. Is there any kind of resources that you can, you can point people to? Sure. Um, I think the link you mentioned at the beginning uh, is, is pretty good. I mean, if you just Google Pandora roadmap process, um, you should be able to find stuff on that. Um, I, I think the, the liquid planner blog, um, we will probably publish, you know, our success story, uh, you know, after we have gone through it, uh, finished going through the first couple cycles of it, um, but it's already been a been a huge success here. Um, you know, when we when we publish something, you know, customer facing or you know external facing, uh, I can I can send you the link. Um, yeah, the single the single article it explains it pretty well. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's other other resources out there, but experiments. I mean, you know, really give it some thought about how it should work for your business. You know, don't. Don't forget about don't forget about your strategy. You know, like this, um, I would I would say to watch out so that you don't just become a um, like a feature factory instead of you know building the right things. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of articles in the product management space about like you know if you're if you're doing good, that means you're building more features forever, and the more features your thing has, you know, the the better it is. Um, so just be cognizant of, you know, more, more features doesn't necessarily mean better. Like, and you should, uh, you should really try and prioritize your internal infrastructure and your platform and those sorts of resources um, in terms of, you know, alongside everything else. You know, you, uh, when our, our internal thing is, you know, uh, like they say on airplanes, you, know, you put on your own oxygen mask first. So, you know, you have to you have to make sure that your internal stuff is, is working, you know, before you start uh, helping your customers and stuff, too. So just really um, focus on your platform, um, focus on building high value stuff, but just more features doesn't necessarily mean better. I love that. That's that's a so I think to sum it all up, don't forget your strategy. Do the prep work. I love what you're saying earlier about go to those meetings prepared um think about who the key stakeholders are who should be in that meeting and why and make sure you get buy-in but basically be prepared yep. off you go love it that's brilliant well thank you so much that's 
fantastic. I'm really excited to get this podcast out and I'll certainly share, if you do a write-up at some point, I'll certainly get that that shared out with everyone as well because I'd, I'd kind of love to catch up with you later in the year and, and see how it's um, progressed from these early stages. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you. So that was great advice from Kayvon there. You can contact him on Twitter at Thus Spoke Kayvon, and you can find me on at Han Chaplino. I'll make sure contact details are shared on the episode page, and I'd love if you left a review on iTunes too. Comments welcome as always, and do get in touch if there's a particular subject you'd like to hear discussed on the show. Until next time, happy building.